Ryan Bruco, CC Sabathia here. We are rolling along. We have so many outstanding guests coming your way over these next few weeks. It's an awesome time. Make sure you're listening, reviewing, rating, subscribing. Today, we get to chat with a guy who has been to the top of the mountain in the baseball world and has struggled a little bit lately but it's a really, really interesting guy to listen to for a variety of reasons. And that is former MVP, a man who has had incredible success throughout his career and is trying to find his way back to his swing. Just a really interesting guy. Also doing some awesome stuff in the community. Christian Yelich. Yelly, making his debut on R2C2. Christian, it's so awesome to talk to you. Thank you for joining R2C2. You're someone who's been on our radar for a while that we wanted to get to chat with and get to know. So thank you for coming on, man. You got it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could uh, finally make it work. I know it was a little tough with uh, the early spring training mornings and the long days, but we finally, we finally got here. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. We finally got here, and your squad is off to a great start this season. What has stood out to you most about this group? And maybe it's something that you felt in spring training, but just the results you guys have been getting early on in the year. I think it's just a togetherness. Like everybody really, really likes each other. We, we really made a commitment to, to get to know each other as, as teammates and people um, throughout camp. It was one of uh, counts as big things. And one of the messages to the team was, um, you know, come together, um, get to know each other, have each other's back. Um, and we just got a really good mix of veteran players and young players and um, guys that have been around the league, guys that are going through it for the first time, um, bringing a lot of energy. Um, and it's just a different person every night, it feels like. Like, we just find ways to win. Um, we've got a lot of guys that have been on good teams um, in this league, playoff teams, and um, know what it takes to win every night, and we've just been been finding a way. It's obviously still early and a really long way to go, but uh, you prefer to get off to a, a good start than a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. And, and you talk about guys who know how to win. Look, you guys have a team that has experience in, in winning baseball, and it's true. You, you, you know, last year was the first time since 2017 the Brewers don't go to the playoffs. What is it like, and, and you know, my co-host can speak to this as well with a, a smaller sample size, but a very impactful one. What is it like when you're good in Milwaukee and the feeling of playoff baseball in Milwaukee? I mean, playoff, game, playoff games in Milwaukee are awesome. You know, it's a, it's a great crowd. It's a great crowd throughout the year, but especially at playoff time. Um, if it's cold outside, the, the dome's all closed up and everybody's tailgating and then when the game starts, everyone's going nuts. So uh, for guys that haven't been here and haven't experienced that, you kind of tell them what it's like and what you're, what you're working towards throughout the, uh, throughout the year, just to get that opportunity to, to make the postseason play in front of those postseason crowds and hopefully take it to the finish line one of these years, but it's a great spot to play baseball. And um, you know, hopefully it's another one of those playoff teams this year. Yeah. When you, when you get, when you don't know what the culture is in Milwaukee and you just show up there, and like you don't understand how people tailgate yep. before games. Like it's <laughs> it's a great fan base to be a part of. Um, and and when you know the team is good and, and it's it's good in the summer, 
the park is packed and it's so much fun to be up like it's it's hard to describe but it i mean you feel like you're a part of the city you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. it's you feel like you you're really in in the community a part of the community so it's it's uh it's one of those 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 cities that you really start to feel it in the summertime when you start playing well. For sure. Well, I mean, once guys come here, they don't want to leave. Like I don't I don't think they really know much about it till they get here. Maybe it's not one of their preferred destinations or, or landing spots. Um, you know, through trades or, or free agency. But whenever they whenever guys get here, they never want to leave. They always talk about how they want to stay and like I hope I I hope I'm back this year. Like I don't want to go, like, you know. And it's cool to be a part of, you know, and I think a lot of that starts from from counts and, and, and above. And, you know, when, when you have good teams and good cultures, it starts from the top down, you know, mm -hmm. like good organizations and good teams. It starts from the top and it trickles down all the way through the clubhouse and then, you know, to the to the clubhouse staff and how people treat your families and, and everything like that. And it's, it, it's a great spot to be. It's a great place to play. And um, I think you kind of see that on the field from the guys. Yeah, for sure. I think, it, it, like you said, it starts at the top with the Antonaccio family. With I mean, they're just just great people, great owners, and and the, and the organization. You can you can feel the love for sure. Definitely. See, I know. I mean, for you, you spent a couple months there, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, it's a place that you always talk about so fondly. You have the logo tattooed on you. It was the best two months of my baseball career, man. I'm telling you, and I say that all the time. And but and I, you know. Got to play with some cool guys, got to play in some cool cities. But that two months I spent in Milwaukee with Prince Fielder and Ricky Weeks and Craig Council was basically our manager at the time. Like, it was so much fun, man. We we had a blast for three months. And, um, yeah, it was somewhere I wish I could have went back to. It just didn't work out. But, I mean, it, it was the best two, two and a half, three months I had playing baseball in the big leagues. Pretty cool. So you and so you guys have that same touch point of Craig Council, your manager Christian, mm -hmm. and see your teammate. Yeah. Start start with you, Christian. <laughs> what stands out to you about Council as a manager, knowing you've already referenced him multiple times as being part of what's attractive about playing for the Brewers? Yeah, I think he understands people and players really well. Like he knows how to handle everybody. He's a great leader. Where he stays, he's the same every day. Like. Whether we've won five in a row, whether we've lost five in a row, he's not riding the roller coaster of like, oh, we're, we're going to win the World Series or we're never going to win again. Or like, you know, everybody's kind of just, if you go on a little bit of a losing streak, there's no, like everybody's like walking on eggshells, like this is the end of the world. <laughs> he kind of, he gets it. You know, he played for so long in the big leagues that he knows that over the course of these six months, there's going to be hot stretches. There's going to be some stretches where it's a little bit more of a grind and the team's struggling. And you kind of just got to ride it out. And he does a good job communicating with the guys on when you're not going to play, when you're going to play, um, how you need to sacrifice sometimes for the greater good of the team. Everybody may or may not like their role at the time. Um, but we're all trying to make the postseason. We're all trying to go deep in the postseason and hopefully win a championship. And what comes along with that is everybody pulling in the same direction, everybody having each other's back. And um, it starts with him. And I, I really love playing for him these last six years. And, I hope he keeps going. I always tell him that he's got to keep going. We need to come back. We need to come back. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think CC will know, like eventually there comes a time where the time commitment and um, everything that you need to sacrifice in your personal life is kind of what draw, drives you kind of away from the game. It's not necessarily the game itself that, that kind of pushes guys away. I think it's more so the, the time commitment, the sacrifice and all the things that, 
um, these seven months require out of you that um, and things that you miss is kind of what kind of drags you from the game sometimes. But um, I hope he sticks around and, and is here for a few more years. Yeah, I think I think you know you got you got a little bit of time with him because he he is from Milwaukee and he's and he's there he lives there so I think that helps out you know um, yeah but like you said I mean he's he's just one of those guys Ruko that he's played in every role you know mm. like he's been he's been a starter he had you know his his time cut when I got there because Billy Hall was playing third base but then when I start when I got there he started playing third base every day that I pitched so you know he knows like how to talk to guys and get him prepared for, for the role because he, he dealt with every role. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when I was there and he was, he was a player, he was the guy we went to for everything. Really? Him and Gabe, him and Gabe Kapler, yeah. I mean, we were in, you know, uh, uh, Ned Yost was our manager, but it was kind of a weird thing where, you know, we never really went to him for anything. You always went to council, you went to Cap. And we kind of policed ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And you know, if something bad happened, Cap, uh, I mean, uh, Counts would get the ass. Like, he was a red ass. He would get pissed at guys. So, and it kept us in line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it was, it worked out, I mean, perfectly that we had. It was um, Gabe Kapler, Mike Cameron, and Greg, and Craig Council were basically our, we had three player managers on the team, and that's who kind of kept us straight. That is awesome. I, um, first of all, it's an interesting situation for you, see, because you are a uh, you're a uniter and a connector in a clubhouse. But the fact that there was such a defined culture that you were a, a part of, like parachuting in in the middle of the season, is interesting, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like if you don't have the leaders who you're mentioning, then maybe that's not the case if you're getting traded at the deadline. Yeah, uh, it, it would have been a tougher time for me for sure. Just trying yeah. to figure everything out because outside of those three. Everybody else was young. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it was Prince or Ricky or J.J. Hardy at the time, Corey Hart. Those guys were young guys. Brian Brown was a rookie. So, it, you know, we needed that, that veteran leadership that we had to be able to kind of, you know, mesh everything together, kind of like that Brewers team that they have now. Yeah. Christian, is it is it abnormal to have that kind of closeness with your manager, like in your big league experience, does it I mean for you to for you to be like, hey, you can't go anywhere. I need you to stay. Like, how yeah. unique is it having a manager that you not only feel that way about, but feel comfortable expressing that to? Yeah, I mean, the culture here is it's a really professional place. Like everybody, you have a lot of freedom to to be yourself, but there's also this like understanding of like, hey, like this is this is serious. Like when the when the game starts. Um, this business time, like you get, you get the job done. You, you know how to win a game. You don't make mistakes. You stay locked in. Um, but at the same time, it's a fun culture. Like guys are themselves. Um, you know, guys are brought here to be themselves. Like you don't want you to be anything other than what you are. Like you don't want to mm. trying to, to conform guys into something that they're not, you know, and then when guys can be themselves, that's when you get the best out of them and the most out of them. Um, you know, as long as it's within the the confines of the team and, and winning a game that night and um, winning games during the season. And I think it starts with counts where he allows guys to have that freedom. But it's also understood that like that freedom comes with the responsibility to, to do your job and to do your job well and be prepared. Um, otherwise, it kind of gets rained back in. But he's, he's been great and, and guys love playing for him. And, and like CC said, he's been in all kinds of different roles. So he understands 
everything all the guys are, are, are going through. You know, he, he's, he's played really well. He's won two World Series. He's, he's struggled. He's gone through long go first. Um, so he knows what it's like, and he knows what guys are going through and, and, and talks to him, and guys feel relaxed and feel like they can be themselves, and it translates to, to really good on-field play. Christian, you start your career with Miami, and you have who I think was still considered Florida when you – Started with them, right? Had they hadn't made the transition yet to the Miami I, Marlins, had they? I got I got drafted by the Florida Marlins, and then, <laughs> and then I was they were the Miami Marlins like a year before I got to the big leagues. So 13, okay, got it. Thirteen was my first year in the big leagues, and I think twenty one was or twenty twelve was the the first time that they were the Miami Marlins. Miami Jeez, Marlins. they've been Miami for a, for that over a decade. That's crazy. Oh that we don't know God. that. You know, what I'm saying? that's crazy. It feels yeah. like it's been. You know, just Two a few years. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> life, life, gentlemen. Where's it go? I don't know. So, hey, Christian, you, though, you come up and look right away, you know, you hit for average. You win a gold glove your second year. Um, and then you tweak some things mechanically and you become this profound power hitter as well. What did you do with your swing there early in your career to go from, hey, really good hitter, really hitting for average to the production we ended up seeing where, you know, okay, you're 21 homers, you're and 98 ribbies, you're 18 homers, then you're 36, you're 44, you're obviously winning the MVP, finishing second. I know you like in the past, I've heard you talk about hitting mechanics and it seems like you're just super in tune with it. And it's interesting. What did you do then with your swing that allowed for that, that power surge? I think it was just this natural progression of, um, just playing a lot of games and then understanding yourself as a, as a player and a hitter um, as you went along. Like, I think, you know, when young players come up and stuff, everybody wants them to be able to do everything right away. Like their rookie year, their second year in the league. And it doesn't always work out like that. Like you have a few guys that come up and they're, they're stars right away and they can, they can do everything. You know, your, your trouts, your Cunhas, those, those guys that were, where they're just like the complete package right away. And then other guys, it takes them some time to kind of learn themselves or learn balls they can drive or how their swing works or, or getting around the right coaches and people to help them understand, like, how this whole thing works. And then as a major league player, you're constantly making adjustments and trying to get better, and you have to to be able to survive in the league. Like, you can't just do the same thing you've always done um, and think you're going to have success for a prolonged period in, in this league because it's just not how it works it's a it's a game of adjustments pitchers adjust then hitters adjust then you, you get scouting reports on you and then you have to be able to change otherwise you just you can't last and so for me i was just always working to try and, and better myself and take that next step and i kind of always knew that was in there i just couldn't really reach it all the time when i was in miami where mm. you know in batting practice Stuff I would I would have I could hit for power in batting practice or there'd be stretches or weeks where I could do it but it wasn't something that showed up consistently yeah and it was just kind of working and 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 2018 was playing around in the cage and in batting practice and and felt like something something felt really good and I was like we were facing Rich Hill that night who you know if you're a left-handed hitter you're gonna see sidearm over the top sidearm curveballs over the top curveball so i was like you know what like screw it i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and try this during the game like what's you know what's the worst that can happen rich is rich is tough on lefties because you get so many funky arm angles and different kind of pitches so i was like let's just go out there and have fun with it see what happens and 
had some success that game and kind of just built on it throughout the, uh, the second half of 2018, carried it in the 19. And, um, you know, we'd love if some of that stuff started to show up again here in, uh, in 23 <laughs> for, for the Bruins. <laughs> yeah. what, what was it was like when you're sitting in the cage, Christian, that day before you're facing Rachel, what was it that you were feeling or doing where you're all of a sudden like, yeah, all right, like I'm, I'm going to try this. Like, was it anything drastic mechanically? It was just some timing stuff, honestly. Just playing around yeah. was, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of it was a, a little bit of a thought process, but a lot of it was kind of just, just timing and seeing what could happen. And it, it kind of happened by trying to get loose in the cage, just like messing around for like 10, 15 swings. I'm like, let me just see how this feels. Like, told the hitting coach, like, don't, don't say nothing. Like, I'm just, I'm just getting loose. Don't freak, don't freak out. Like, don't freak out. You know, because it was the first day back from the from the All Star break. You know, I just, I just played in the all-star game and just coming back and just trying to to change some things and tinker with it which is probably just that's probably a terrible idea like you're just, <laughs> just in the all-star stop trying to change something and at the end of july you know and uh i was like yeah, i'm just gonna try it see what happens and uh it ended up kind of just rolling into into what it became the rest of that year which is which is pretty cool and um you know i kind of tell guys like guys are what they are until they, they make an adjustment or something clicks for them and they can change their career and, and what they are as a player. And that's why you always keep grinding. And um, even when it seems like, you know, things aren't going your way or you're kind of struggling, you're literally one, one adjustment or, or one thing away from um, becoming a different player. And it's both sides of the ball, pitchers, hitters, um, you know, guys find a new pitch as a pitcher and it changes their entire career. So mm. I think in as long as you're constantly working, you're trying to better yourself. I think you always have a chance. And, um, you know, sometimes the light bulb goes on and, and sometimes it doesn't. That's so true compared to the other sports, too, is where if you just you keep working, you keep learning, you keep, you know, evolving and getting better. I mean, you have to. Um, but in these in, in other sports, you can kind of just keep doing the same thing, have the yeah. same routine, whatever, over and over. But in baseball, you have to make adjustments and. You know, at, especially as you get older, you know what I mean? Like just tinkering with little things to, to make yourself be ready to play or, you know, get an edge. Um, you know, this game is 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 full of that. Yeah. And it's such a hard game, too. Like there's so much failure involved in it. And it's so frustrating at times where, you know, you'll leave the stadium that night and you're like, man, this this sucks. Like, this is, this is like, I'm, I'm so lost. And then by the time you come back to the field the next day, you've talked yourself into like, oh, this is it's gonna be great. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this again. And then it's just like this whole process throughout a baseball season of like, I'm lost. This sucks. I've come, and then the next day you come back and talk to yourself into like, oh, it's gonna be successful again. Like, that's that, that's like that's that mind game that you got to play with yourself in, in baseball. Like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. And you just have to keep working towards it, and eventually, and hopefully, like it, it clicks again, and um, you can keep going. But it's just it's a game of adjustments, and you can't let the failure of the game kind of beat you down. Mm -hmm. yeah, Christian, that's such a, an awesome way of, uh, of putting it and sharing perspective. And you talked about how you're trying to find it now. I mean, and your journey is so interesting, right? Because you're one type of hitter, first few years having success. Then all of a sudden, you start hitting for crazy power. You win an MVP, you run her up the next year. And obviously, you dealt with injuries. And now you're trying to find it again. And I mean, let's also not overstate it. You were still... Uh, productive hitter over the last couple of seasons. It's just not at the same level that you have been a few seasons prior. What, 
what has been your key? Who has been your rock? Or what has been your process as you try and navigate the mental hurdles of what I can only imagine you're dealing with going from, all right, I'm producing at an MVP level to, oh, okay, like how do I get back to that? Can I get back to that? What, where can I settle here? I mean, how difficult is that process and who helps you through it? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been tough for sure. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, definitely a, a mental grind the last few years of just trying to deal with the the frustration. And, you know, I know it's still in there. Like I know I can still, still do that. There's obviously been some adversity and battling through some things, but that's just kind of how it goes when you're or a professional athlete, like you got to deal with some stuff. You're going to face adversity and you got to keep finding it. And, I think you just lean on on teammates and coaches and people that you're around every day that kind of understand the grind and how this whole thing works. You know, when you're when you're in it, you understand like how this game is and and how hard it is and um, the ups and downs of it. And you just keep going. And you know, being around good teammates, good coaches, good people. I mean, that's that's really all you can ask for. And um, you do your best to prepare every night. You, you try to give yourself the the best chance possible to to succeed to help the team and. Uh, if it doesn't work out that day, then it's kind of just back to the drawing board. But you can't give in, you know, no matter how frustrating it's been. It's, it's, it's been it's been very frustrating at times for sure. And, and uh, it's been a grind, but that's part of the game and, and part of what you got to deal with is, as being a, a major league baseball player. And um, like we talked about earlier, you, just, you never stop working and, um, you know, it can, it can turn in a second. No, nah, it's, it's for sure leaning on teammates, I feel like. I mean, I had – two and a half years where, I, you know, I was like lost, didn't know what the fuck was going on. And and during that time, that's when me and Brian McCann got really close. I mean, I felt bad for him because he would try to go out and game plan and put all these game plans together and shit that I couldn't execute. You know what I'm saying? Like I call him now and I'll be like, Mac, I'm so sorry for like 13, 14 and 15, bro. I, like I, I had nothing for you, but that's how we got close. It's just like talking, trying to talk through everything and trying to figure out do I need to change, get on this side of the rubber? Do I need to start throwing my two-seamer, you know, back door or, or the, all these little different things I tried during that time when I when it eventually clicked again and I figured out I got to throw the cutter and change up and all of the backdoor slider, all of this stuff. I had everything that I had tried for the last two and a half years, I still had in my bag. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of it kind of helped me the last three or four years of my career being able to go through that tough time that I did for those two and a half years trying to figure out shit because I picked up a, a, a few extra pitches that I probably wouldn't have if I just had prolonged success. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, see. And it's funny, I, I wasn't even thinking of you as an example of that, but you're right. I mean, there was, you went from Cy Young, you know, dominance year after year after year to... Yeah, three seasons where it was yeah, at the end of was... 15 where you finally like, oh, okay, we see something again. And then success in, you know, three more or four more subsequent seasons after that. But like at that time, right, see, like I know from afar, I'm sure most of the thought process was like, oh, okay, is that it? Is is that the story on CC Sabathia? And, and you found a way to make it not that. Yeah, I mean, you have to. But like, you know, like Yelly said, just leaning on teammates and whoever I can I mean, I, you know, I was calling Andy, I was calling Mo, whoever I could, you know, to try to figure out how I'm going to, you know, get past not not throwing 98 anymore, you know, figure out how to pitch. And have to figure that shit out in the big leagues is really fucking hard. Like, it's hard yeah. to play. It's hard to play, <laughs> fucking play baseball in the big leagues. And when you searching for some shit 
it's it, it can make it miserable. It can make yeah. it miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're going out there with not your best. Like, I feel like when you're at your best, like that gives that kind of gives you the ability to just just compete in the major leagues. Like when you're yeah. searching for it, it makes it makes playing in the major leagues like really, really, really hard. It's already <laughs> already hard. But when you're when you're like kind of searching for it, you're like, I don't know, man. Like, this, this shit don't feel right. It makes it, it makes it exponentially harder. Like when you're when you're humming and you've got everything like where you want it to be, like that kind of just gives you the ability and the right just to go out there and compete and have a chance. Like doesn't even that doesn't even guarantee you success. Like you still got to go out there and execute when you when you've got everything going for you. Mm-hmm. So when you're kind of searching for it, it makes it harder. But that's kind of when you just lean on on your competitiveness and just kind of will it to happen if you can, and then mm. if it doesn't work out, work out. But um, it's funny you say that. Nah, A Rod was the funniest when he wasn't going good because he would come back in and, and the deck. I was, I'm fighting for my life out there, like you be, <laughs> be screaming like <laughs> random stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, oh, that's you don't know what to do, man. It's so hard. It's crazy. I'm fighting for my life. Fighting out for there. my life out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. That is great. Um, Christian, how about just a, I mean, this is the last sort of thing, sort of related to this process, but I know you talked about this offseason wanting to kind of revitalize yourself by unplugging. Mm-hmm. And what did that entail? And how did you kind of feel like that went as you got ready for this year? Yeah, I mean, I think so many times as players, like you play the whole season, right? You have spring training, then you play the whole season, right? And then after the season ends, you take like two or three weeks off, and then it's like right back to getting ready for the next season. Yeah. Like you never have this time to like just live your life and enjoy it and enjoy the downtime. And obviously, you're still preparing and, and keeping yourself in shape and working towards the next season. But for me, it was more so just like, get away from it all and like this this grind and just like mentally being like locked in for it all the time like enjoy life enjoy these four months where you have the opportunity to do whatever you want like because when once baseball season starts like you're you're doing baseball every day for seven months so like you don't have it right. you don't have a choice whether you want to do it or not like right and that's fine like that's that's your job that's what you sign up for and that's what it requires but i think when you have a time to get away from it or kind of live life or do some different things um it allows you to be better at baseball sometimes because mm-hmm. you you recharge you refresh you have the the ability to kind of give a hundred percent once you come back to baseball because you've kind of done whatever it is that you wanted to do you got away from it you got refreshed and that was one of my goals going into the off season and um you know did some did some traveling did some hanging out and just kind of had a really nice three, four months and, and felt recharged and, and ready to go for the year. Where was uh, your favorite place you traveled? Uh, I think Deer Valley, like Park City, Utah. Nice. Oh, nice. Went up, yeah, I went up there in December and kind of just like went into the mountains for a little while and just got away. And it was really cool, like really peaceful place and just like beautiful scenery. And it was really nice. And, and it's, it's kind of just one of, that was one of my favorite things I did in the off season. And, um, you come back from all that stuff, just like rejuvenated and like, all right, like I'm ready to, I'm ready to dive back into this grind and ready to get going and, and give what it requires to, to be successful. Like you can't, you can't go into a baseball season, like half in a half out. Like you need to be, mm. you need to be all the way in if you're going to, if you're going to be successful, you know, and that kind of, 
requires a certain amount of mental energy and attention. And um, if you're not willing to meet it head on like that, then it's not going to go well for you. So you need to get yourself in a place in the off season to where you're ready for the the seven month grind that's ahead of you. And uh, that was my goal. And uh, I think succeeded in doing it. That's Man, awesome. That, that was always my goal in the off season was to try to unplug, but I, you know, you, you never really truly always can. Uh, right. But I, but I always like like love the off season because I saw and guys just get mad at me because you get to pick your friends like when yeah. you're on a baseball team because you got to hang out with the motherfuckers <laughs> on the team in the off season you get to pick you get to hang out with, with who you want to hang out with so it's it's less stress in that too you know what I'm saying right. like yeah. just seeing people who you want to see every day as opposed to motherfuckers you have to see every day like it's a big difference in that so especially yeah. when you're like you know one of the guys in the clubhouse like Yelly is like guys are coming to him all the time with different stuff so to be able to not have that you know for a couple months i think is is a big thing too yeah valuable to be able to get away from that um christian i this is just a couple of random things but i i was just thinking as someone who's because we were talking about how you're in seattle as we record this and and uh and the atmosphere there i know it's one of cmi's favorite road cities what is and now, of course, you guys are getting a different experience with the way the schedule has changed mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, the expanded opponents for you guys. But if I was going to say, okay, can't be in Milwaukee, your favorite road meal on the MLB circuit, do you have one? I don't know if you're a foodie or not. doesn't matter. Everybody has to eat food. What is, <laughs> what, what, what is like, if there's one thing that you're like, I just want a big game, I'm getting a post-game dinner, it can be in any city that we play in, I want it to be this at this place. That's a tough one. Just to pick, just to pick one. I know, <laughs> I know. It is tough. I have so many too. Probably either. I can't just pick one, but I'm okay. Go throw a couple. The, throw the a same couple. kind of food though. It's the same. It's, a, it's an Italian place. Either either RPM Italian in Chicago, okay. or uh, Carbone in in New York or Miami. Hey, one, nice. one of those places. I think are they're tough to beat. You know, there's there's some that might come close, but you know, I think those ones. If you go to the, if you go to any one of those places, you're you're not going to leave uh, disappointed by any means. No. Love that you get atmosphere and food at at all those places. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, you know, one thing that's great. C has been there. You've been to the Crown Club now, right? C at yes. Barclays. Yeah, at Barclays Center with the Nets play. So the owners of Carbone did this thing called Crown Club, and it's like it's all Carbone's food in there. And it's really? a club that's open after the game. The whole idea, Joe Sai's whole idea was like, after you get done with the game, it's late, you want to have dinner, if you like, if this is kind of part of your life, and places aren't open. And so like, we're going to stay open. And people actually like own the tables inside there for the whole season. And like, you know, they can like rent them out to people or whatever, but it's awesome. So you don't pay for any of the food. It's all, wow. yeah. So part yeah. of the course, pretty I cool. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. yeah. It's, it, is, it is an awesome, awesome experience. All right, how about the nastiest pitcher that um, you've ever faced? Nastiest guy? Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like these days, it's literally everybody that you face. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. I know, man. Everybody's there's stuck. Nobody, there's nobody that you face, you're like, oh, yeah. This oh. is for sure like two, three hits tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like um I think 
like Kershaw back back a few years, like 13, 14 Kershaw. Like I faced him my rookie year. I got I got I got dominated pretty good. Like I I had like a week in the major leagues at the time. We were playing, we were playing the Dodgers in Miami, and it was 2013. And I think I think that might have been. I think he might have won the Cy Young that year. He was about to or, or something like that. But he he had it going on. It was 95, 96 with that slider that basically you just couldn't see. It was just, yeah. just disappeared. Um, and I went into that the night before I knew we were facing them. I I've been in the, in the league for like a week. I was like, there's no chance that they let me face this guy, <laughs> which, which was my, which was my first mistake. So you come to the stadium the next day and there I was lead off, you know, um, first off. That's and great. my first at, my first at bat leading off, he walked me on four pitches, actually like four pitches. Dropped an F bomb. <laughs> like, oh, this, this, isn't, this isn't so bad, you know. And I, I, didn't, I didn't foul him off the rest of the day. <laughs> punched, punched out three times, swung over that slider and curveball a bunch of times. And I was like, all right, well, this is the, this is like welcome to the big leagues. Like here it is, you know. Um, so I think that I always remember that story of just like, you know, oh, this isn't this isn't terrible, like. Saw those all right, like walked on like four fastballs. You know, he's he early in the game and did it, and then obviously he did. Yeah, it was it was uh it was pretty impressive and something that uh, I always remember. That's oh. funny. I'm seeing that pretty good. Four yeah. <laughs> 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 that was that, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hilarious, Christian. If you are a a young player is coming to you and they're they're giving you just sort of a a blank canvas and they're saying, Hey, if there's, you know, one or two keys that I need to always keep in mind to have success in the big leagues, what would those be for you? I would think learn how to deal with failure. Um, and that's different for everybody guys. Everyone deal deals with that in a different way, but you need to learn how to, to deal with it and to adapt because it's going to happen, you know, and it's going to happen you don't know when it's going to happen to you in your career. It might happen to you your rookie year, your first month in the, in the league. It might happen mm. to you years down the road, but it, it's going to happen. And you're going to need to be able to find a way to deal with it. And I think young players, when they first come up, like your biggest fear is getting sent back down to the minor leagues. Like you just don't want to go back, you know, because everything in the major leagues is so much better. It's what you've been working for your entire life is to, to get to the big league. So once you finally get there, you obviously really want to stay and, the worst case scenario for you when you're young players to get sent down. And sometimes it's unavoidable because it's just how the options work. And like, Hey, you're the guy with options. You're getting, you're getting sent down. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you just don't play well enough the first time. And you need to take what you learned in the big leagues and, and what you struggled with and you kind of work on it and, and you can kind of come back and, and be a very successful major league player. But for me, my thing was like, I never wanted to get sent back down. And like when you're struggling, it's always in the back of your mind, whether you admit it or not, when you're a young player, like, ah, oh, damn, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get sent out. I don't want to go back to, to triple A or double A or wherever you may go. Um, but worrying about that is not going to do you any good. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's, you got to accept it as a, as a possible option and kind of just focus on what you need to do to stay there and, and learn how to deal with the ups and downs of being a major league player find some good veteran players to, to lean on and kind of guide you through it. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and the next biggest thing is never stop working. You know, you, mm. you always need to continue to try and get better and, and make adjustments and 
Um, if you're doing really well, like don't let it get to your head. You're not on the top of the world. Like just keep your head down, stay underwater, focus on what you need to do to be successful to help the team. And uh, you'll be all right after that. You know, it's uh, always stay humble. Um, and if you don't, this game's going to humble you very quickly. And if you do those two things, I think, I think the rest takes care of itself. And if you're talented enough to stick around for a really long time, you're going to, um, as long as you have those two things in mind and um, be a good teammate. And I think those are really the two, three things I, I would tell anybody that, that came to me and asked like, Hey, what's it take to play a really long time in major leagues? Mm -hmm. Great advice, Christian. Great. I love yeah. that, man. I love that. Before we let you go, we have got to ask you about your home plate charity event. I know uh, C is so passionate about the philanthropic work he does, um, and we love we love seeing how passionate guys are uh, in the ways that they impact the communities around them. So tell us about uh, your event uh, in May at the Milwaukee Athletic Club and and, uh, and the significance of it for you. Yeah, so it's our it's our first one. Um, obviously, wanted to do it a few years prior, actually, but. COVID and all that stuff kind of got in the way. So we're finally, finally getting to do it. Um, basically it's just revitalizing fields, um, in Milwaukee, giving, giving kids a chance to, to have some nice facilities to be able to play baseball. Um, Katina and Cecilia with the Brewers community foundation are awesome. And, um, talking about doing this indoor bubble as well. So, you know, obviously it's really cold, uh, in Milwaukee in the, in the fall, in the fall and the winter. So yeah. to give kids a place to go to where they can, uh, play baseball indoors and, and be able to, to do that year round. Um, when they're not able to use the fields that are, um, being refurbished, um, is a goal. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a good, um, first event and something that we're excited about. Um, just people around Milwaukee, uh, giving back, obviously they, they give us so much. So we're excited to get it going here and it's in about a month and, um, hopefully you can see a bunch of people come out and, and get back to the community. And if people want to get involved, they can go to yellichhomeplate.com, right? Yeah. And, uh, all my social media and stuff, there's a, there's a link to it, um, in the bio and it's gonna be a good time. So we're excited to get it going and, and get back to the community and, um, you know, something that I'm pretty passionate about, obviously, playing in Milwaukee the last five, six years and, and, and how great of a place it's been. Awesome. That's awesome. So that's Thursday, May 11th from 6 to 11 p.m. at the Milwaukee Athletic Club, Christian Yelich's home plate charity event. Go to yelichhomeplate.com or check out Christian's uh, different social media channels to find out more. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for the time, man. This is fantastic. We love talking to you. Excited for your charity event. And, uh, and good luck the rest of the way, man. We'll be watching. Yeah, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Glad we could, uh, glad we could finally do it. Uh, looking yes. forward to seeing you both down the road somewhere uh, at some point. Yeah, I'm for sure. sure. Good luck, bro. You got it. Thank you, guys. It was outstanding hearing the honesty of Christian Yelich talking about this moment in time, where he's at, but also his journey to this point, what he tries to impart on the younger players. Really, really interesting stuff with Christian Yelich. And that's why we love R2C2. We love getting to have those conversations, especially with guys who've had such incredible variance within the experience of their careers when it comes to success and dealing with the inevitable failure of this game. So hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. 
You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. We will uh, talk to you next week. Peace, everybody. Peace.